guys. Today on Pulse to the Wall, we have Mike Paul, Nick Ashley, and Nick Paul. So if you're paying attention there, there's three people with two first names, two Nicks, and two Pauls. Okay, so I just thought that was uh, noteworthy to get that out there. Nick, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. There's got to be some sort of Illuminati joke we can make with this, right? <laughs> That's what I was thinking. Some sort of three things going on here. What's even crazier <laughs> is my, my wife's name is Ashley, too. So I got a brother named oh. Nick. So, so your name's tough to forget. Yes, very, very simple. So Nick, I, I was off the podcast. We talked about this before it started, but I was not here for the first appearance that you had on here. Um, how would you describe your politics? Like what's your your origin backstory in a nutshell? Backstory is is hard to put in a nutshell. Uh, well, I guess I can. I started as sort of a Republican because my parents watched or my dad watched Fox News. And then gradually became a neo-libertarian, as I call it, as a, like a Beltway DC libertarian. And then discovered uh, discovered Tom Woods through uh, finding about finding out about backwards, you know, and 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 uh, folks like that. Um, and then after discovering Tom Woods, that's it. So now I I've kind of depending on who I'm talking to, I'll call myself an ANCAP. Uh, but I know a lot of people don't like the word capitalism, so like a right right-wing market anarchist or whatever uh because i'm fairly i'm fairly right-wing i'm not a big fan of leftism um but i do consider myself to be an anarchist okay okay and uh wait what what year was this in like you're you said you're 25 so how old were you when you discovered this oh we freezing up a little bit i got some lag going on Yeah. Mm, these are the growing pains of live streaming. Oh, we lost, oh, him. We lost him. Okay. Right. Well, we could talk until he rejoins here. Cool. Well, that's um, a perfect time. Oh, here he is. You got to let him in. I'm big. Sorry about that. I don't know if that happened on my I, said, I see only because you have a South Park shirt. When you came back, I'm like, I'm big. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know where I got cut off there. Um, yeah. Um, okay. What was the question? Yes. Yes. You what were, year? What year? What year? Yeah. Yeah. When, when yeah. did this happen? So I discovered backwards the band in uh, 2018, about like the middle, like summer 2018. So I was 22 at the time. Okay. Okay. So you were so when the 2016 election happened, you were pretty young as well. Would you say that you were like a Trump supporter, or where did you find yourself back then? I much like I am now. Um, I kind of went, I, I had like a, it's a weird like parabola that I had because I, I started out sort of apolitical, meaning I wasn't politically informed. It's not like I didn't have political positions, but I wasn't informed. And whenever Trump got elected, I was like, ha, ah, that's funny. You know, that's, you know, and I didn't like, I didn't like Hillary Clinton because I had a surface level understanding of how bad of a person she was and all. And then I got like super into politics and then kind of fell back down to where I'm like, the way I describe myself is I'm Nero playing the fiddle as the village burns down. Right. <laughs> like I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't care that much. I mean, I'm passionate about libertarianism and I'm passionate about my own like positions and beliefs. But as far as being politically informed goes, I don't really care. <laughs> like I don't take it that seriously. Yeah. Yeah. I think it, to me, it's like politics is more of just the entertainment, especially where uh, we are right now as a country. And I remember, um, like last February, I saw this video of Jeff Deist that somebody had on YouTube called why the U.S. is past the point of no return. And he just lays out the case. Like, here's why the empire is going to collapse, like financially and culturally and all this stuff. And that was before COVID happened, where we, you know, added another 10 trillion to the debt. So uh, so I, I definitely sympathize with that position. 
Yeah, and, sure. and everything that go everything that happened, like if you once you've taken that like the first red pill and you start to realize how politics as in like mainstream party politics. I'm not talking about like LP stuff that's going on. I, I am in the LP. I haven't done anything yet. I plan on doing a couple things when I when I can. But whenever you look at your Fox News, CNNs and everything and they're the way that they're handling the Biden administration and the way that uh, the press conferences they have, everything is a softball question. Like once you, once you have, once you've taken one of those red pills and you realize what a joke, like actual politics is, it's more on one hand, it is awful because these are the people who are running this shit. And these are the people who are like ruining everybody's lives with the COVID lockdowns and bombing people overseas and all that stuff. But on the other hand, you have people in Congress talking about like whiteness as a problem. And how could you not laugh at that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like how could you yeah. not laugh at the absurdity of some of this shit? Oh dude, it's crazy. My, my cousin's a uh, manager for a, a large office supply store. Um, and he sent me a picture the other day saying he had to take down this sign because someone uh, in corporate said it was too racist and I couldn't figure out what was racist about it when he sent it to me. I'm looking really hard. I'm trying to see what they're seeing, but it's like a woman with a bunch of Ziploc bags full of food around her and it's for Ziploc bags. And it was like a, I guess, mixed race woman. I, I wouldn't even notice that. Cause she was like, I don't know, some kind of mixed race, but one of the bags had watermelon in it. Oh so God. Okay. Of they, course they got an email to take it down like company wide from this massive chain. I'm like, this is like a parody of itself. Like, who spotted that? Like, that person must be racist, uh, right? Do you, some of the shit that you see, you're like, you're. It's like a projection. It's like you're yeah. looking at, you're reading into something that really isn't there. You think that they intentionally put, even she might not. Even, if, if, if you if you don't know what race she was, like you specifically, Mike, mm -hmm. if you, if you saw this ad, right? She might have been like, um. Samoan like you don't know what she was right. if she was if she wasn't obviously like black as an African-American you don't know what she was so like <laughs> what how you know what I mean and we are kind of assuming about the watermelon thing but that probably was what it was to be honest yeah with you. well no he, sure. said, he, he said that's what it was he's the manager oh, it of the was store. the watermelon yeah. okay, okay. <laughs> so yeah. my favorite my favorite case of one of those stories and you guys probably remember this it's from maybe like two or three summers ago it was some kids clothing brand that had this line of shirts where it was like coolest lion in the zoo, coolest hippo in the river. And then they, they had like kids modeling them. And then they had a little black kid and it said coolest monkey in the jungle. And it's <laughs> like that, that one. It's like, okay, I, there's no way the dude that made that ad was like trying to lose his own job. Right. Like I genuinely go like, okay, I get it. It's, it's funny, but dude, he did not mean to do this. So everybody can relax. And that's what's so uh, frustrating about the whole, like, cancel culture or cancellation thing is there's no benefit of the doubt where even if something is like mildly offensive, like you can make the case why you understand why people would be offended by it. It's like, okay, move on. Like in, in what other area of life is somebody offended by something and it's an unforgivable sin to whoever did it to them, unless it's like something extremely personal, in which case you just, you cut that person out of your life. But for some reason now we need to have like public sacrifices and it's all creepy as shit. Yeah, you, you, what uh, the way I say it is, you need to leave room for people to be incorrect. Like people can be wrong, just tell them that they were wrong. You know what I mean? Now, this is a weird example because you never know what that. We don't know what the hell happened with that. Because I remember the exact thing you're talking about the the, the, the black kid, the coolest monkey in the jungle shirt. Uh, I remember that. You don't know how they were doing that shit. They probably were just okay. We have a pile of shirts here and a group of kids. 
each kid take a shirt. That's probably what it was. You know, right, it, right. It, the way you said it there, give people the benefit of the doubt. That's what I would assume. I mean, I I don't know anything about child fashion modeling or, or making a whatever catalog that was. in. I don't know anything about that, but I would assume that whenever you have a bunch of kids, it's not easy to just round them all up. The easiest thing is probably to round them all up, give them each a shirt and take their picture as quickly as possible. It probably was just a completely innocent, you know, mistake. If even yeah. a mistake, I wouldn't say mistake, but just an innocent thing. And for people that go like, oh, it really, it got through all the levels of, uh, of management and nobody caught it. It's like, okay, let's also remember that less than a year ago on, was it MSNBC or CNN? They had a lady on who said, Michael Bloomberg spent $500 million on his campaign. And think about that. He could have given every American a million dollars. And it's like, first of all, just no, he can give him about (laughs) a dollar, a dollar and 32 cents or something like (laughs) that. And second of all, like, even if you had, if you just had the fed deposit a million dollars into everybody's bank account, they wouldn't be rich. We'd have hyperinflation. So it's like on so many levels that got through to CNN or, or whatever, you know, network it was, but it's like, do not underestimate incompetence of people in, in structures. It's like when you have multiple people that are responsible for a thing, it's almost like it's more likely that there's going to be a screw up. It's like a diffusion in a baseball. of responsibility. Yeah. Right. It's like, it's like in a baseball game when there's a fly ball between like first yep. base, second base and right field, you see all the players like look at each other and it just lands and the, the batter's safe. And it's like, well, there's three of them. It should have been, it should have been, you know, uh, more secure. It's like, no, not really. That's not how responsibility works. Like you said. <laughs> And not everybody, the thing about it is it seems like a lot of people have a hard time. I'm, I'm guilty of this. I think we're all guilty of this, at least to a certain degree, which ironically, that, well, once you hear what I'm about to say, you'll know what I'm, why that's a little ironic for me to say that. Um, a lot of us have a hard time like understanding and wrapping our heads around the fact that some people think differently than you do. Most people think differently than you do. Not you guys specifically, but you know, you in general, like rhetorically you not everybody thinks the way you do. It's obvious, right? But for some reason, we have a problem where we just can't it, we can't apply that to everyday situations. So this person who sees the kid, the black kid in the coolest monkey in the jungle shirt, they're looking at it from a perspective of some sort of race thing, right? Call it cultural Marxism, call it whatever it, whatever you would call it. But the people at corporate at that clothing company, they don't look at it th- or they weren't looking at it that way. Is it so hard to believe that they weren't, they don't care about the kids' race? Like, right. you know what I mean? Like, and they, I know it's kind of cringy and weird to say, oh, I'm colorblind. I don't care about race. But that's kind of what it is. If you genuinely don't care about somebody's race, you're going to treat them as an equal. That's just kind of, that's like yeah. definitionally true, right? So yeah. if you're going to be treating people with kid gloves and say, we can't put this shirt on this black kid because it could be racist, I think that that is like paternalistically racist, at least a little bit, right? Yeah. It's like oh, for because sure. because then you're kind of implicitly saying that the monkey and the black the monkey and the black kid there's there's something there you know like you you understand what I mean I don't yeah. know if I'm yeah. coming across right yeah. but so no no for sure I told this before once on the podcast but my eight year old daughter I'm not sure how we got on the topic but the the term racism came up and she asked what that was and I said uh, well that's when one person is mean to another person because of the color of her of their skin and she just looked at me all confused and goes why they're, they're just people and i said yes and you're a good person and this this is how kids are programmed like mm-hmm. these schools are teaching it to be divisive right now like kids like you, when you say colorblind like they they just they don't even pick up on that it's like oh this person likes the same toy as me and we play and have fun together like i think it would be a much better world if we just uh 
stop making everything about race. And having that position is seen as racist, which is fucked up, right? Oh, I'm sorry. I, did, I, I swore. I, I, I always do no, this. I apologize. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, ha- having that position is, some t- is, is seen as racist by a lot of people, which is really – and the way I've been thinking about it is I th- I'm sure plenty of people think I'm racist because some of the stuff that I say, which the difference between me and somebody like that is I, I just don't care if people think that I'm racist because I know that I'm not. I know that I don't care. Like, And I let my actions speak for themselves. What you see me doing on Twitter, what you see me talking crap on a podcast in a joking way, if you're going to take that and say, oh, this guy's racist, if therefore he's a bad person, whatever. Right? I probably don't want you to like me anyway. So I just don't. The reason people would think I am racist is because I don't care that people would think that I'm racist. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. And when you were talking about people kind of projecting like the, the t-shirt company as I feel like it's a great example, we'll go back to it. Like you talk about how people will say like everybody that was involved in that probably didn't even think twice about the race, but then the people who are race obsessed do, and then they attribute like their worst intentions, um, to that person. And I feel like on, uh, uh, Sam Tripoli actually recently made a point uh, about this that I thought was great. He said that people, the reason they naively trust politicians is because they look at Hillary Clinton or Joe Biden or, or whoever, George Bush, and they project their sense of decency onto that person. Like they won't, they're like, no, no, they can't be that diabolical because that's just (laughs) crazy. And it's like, no, 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 they are that diabolical. And the way Sam Tripoli put it, he's like, okay, your meemaw is not Hillary Clinton. All right. Hillary Clinton is not your sweet meemaw. She's a piece of shit. (laughs) Do you ever listen to Sam Tripoli tinfoil hat? I do not, but I know you're talking about it's, it's fun. It to me, uh, tinfoil hat. It's like, we talk about these like serious topics and everything. And then they get into some serious politics and whatnot, but it's like a lot of ghosts and aliens and that kind of thing. So he's, he's a fun change up to throw in your podcast rotation. Yeah, I understand. Yeah. Having that kind of the, whenever you got people talking about like, I don't know, I'm not saying he gets into this, but just the wacky conspiracy theories, like the Jewish space lasers and shit like that. It's just, (laughs) it's entertainment. (laughs) I don't know that Sam does that. I'm just like, as an example, that's what I think of when I think of crazy conspiracy theories. Yeah. So, sorry, go ahead, Mike. Well, no, I was glad. Well, I was going to say, so on your Twitter, I see that you are, uh, are you married or you have just your dating, your girlfriend or? I'm married. Five. You're married. Okay. No, I was, a I was ring. like, I was like, if I couldn't I see so, it, so, showing you the, showing you the ring. <laughs> I got you. So let me, let me ask you this. Um, is your wife, is she very politically conscious or is she apolitical? <laughs> How does that work? I was thinking about this today, man. Cause I was, I was wondering if this question would ever be uh, asked of me. <laughs> and the simplest answer I can give you is she is just not autistic enough for this shit. <laughs> yes. <laughs> she's, she's just, she's just not. So, <laughs> So she, she's, if, I mean, she would definitely, I could give her a copy of anatomy of the state and she'd read it and agree with everything in it and understand like she's, she's red pilled instinctively, right? Cause of me mainly, but she's just not, she is not autistic enough for this shit. <laughs> you know, I, I just talked about this with Mike not long ago. Basically, we we're talking about like our wives and my wife. She's she's like good on all the issues. She has all the right opinions, but she just doesn't follow it. And I like that. I like that she's not obsessed like I am, because then I feel like it would be, you know, two positives or two negatives together. It would be not good. You can never and escape the way, it. 
yeah, yeah, the way I describe her is she's a red-pilled normie. And to me, that's like the best wife to have. Like that's, they're red-pilled, but they're a normie in a sense. Great like, descriptor. Absolutely great descriptor. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like my, my wife can spot woke shit and take it away from the kids and like not let them check that book out of the library. But she has no idea what the Great Reset is if I asked her about that. Like she has not dug deep into this stuff at all. But yeah, it's uh, I think it's a better route because you need that escape. Like if, if I had to you know, get off the podcast and go talk to my wife about all this stuff after that. Like you'd never leave it. It would just get so overwhelming. (laughs) So a hundred percent true here. Part of the reason, the main reason I do the podcast that I do is just because I, I, I have these ideas and I want it to be able to not ideas, but I have opinions and shit and I want to be able to say them somewhere where some people could hear it and maybe I can meet cool people. And part of the reason I do it is just so I could meet people and speak to them like you guys or or whoever else. Like I had Dr. Jonathan Newman on where we talked about Austrian economics and, and that kind of thing. And part of the reason I did that was just so I could talk to somebody other than my very obviously disinterested, not caring wife. <laughs> not saying, <laughs> I'm not saying she doesn't care. I'm just saying like she's very clearly not as interested in, in this stuff because she's not autistic enough for this shit. And yeah. I don't blame her. I, I wish I could be that uh, baseline. <laughs> you, know? Yeah. you know, and, and totally. I, like, I like how you put that. She's not autistic enough. And I, I've been thinking about this lately. When I say when I use the word autistic, I, I have no intention of offending anybody oh, that no, has like an autistic not. and I use it in, in the same term in the same way I use like the word nerd. Like to me it means like it's endearing. Like this person is capable of like abstracting and going deep and like mastering something to a degree. Like just yeah. getting singularly focused. So I think uh I, I mean I like the word. I think it's a good descriptor and a good analogy. But um, yeah, that was just a, a side note here. Yeah, no, our our show like started as I don't want to say as an accident, but we don't have a plan. Like I built this this room that you see me in. <clears throat> this is a, a tornado shelter in my house, which in hindsight was probably a terrible idea to uh, soundproof it if I ever need it to be a tornado shelter. But um, <clears throat> I'm working on a documentary podcast about early automotive history from the horse and buggy transition to oh. internal combustion. And I've been researching it for like three years and I'm just not ready to start recording because there's just so much to learn. I want to get it right. But I built this room and had it all set up. And Nick and I used to do a podcast years ago where it was, a, it was an automotive podcast, just about we just talk cars and just tell stories. And it was a blast. And we actually had a pretty large following, like in 25 episodes, we had over a thousand downloads an episode. I didn't That's know that really was really good. I didn't That's know really that was good. good. Yeah. yeah. And then we my second kid was born and I moved 30 miles away from Nick. Life and it happened. Just, yeah. Yeah. It fell apart. But What's crazy is I started doing this one just because I had the setup and I was like, well, I'm going to reach out to all the podcasts I listen to. And like 90% got back other than like the super big names. Like if anyone's been on Joe Rogan, I can't get to him. But anyone else, like, I mean, Stapleton, Scott Horton, all these other guys just said, yeah, and came on. And all of a sudden I was like, oh shit, this is like a podcast now. And Nick yeah. hopped on. <laughs> and well, like, so so the, the funny this. thing is. The funny thing is Mike started it. It was called the Mike Paul cast for the first couple episodes. And I, I got married last November and he he's like, Oh, I got Jason Stapleton. I got Matt Erickson. I'm like, Oh, cool, cool. But I just wasn't ready to take on that project with like my work and side hustles and that kind of thing. And then he texts me the like, so I was getting married on a Saturday. He texts me on a Thursday and he's like, I'm interviewing Scott Horton tomorrow night. And I'm like, <sighs> Fuck it. I guess I'm in. I guess I'm in the podcast. So then I came on and then the rest is history. But yeah, yeah. like you said, it's like you you just want to talk to people that you find interesting, ask the questions to them that you actually want answered, and then the rest just kind of comes. And then we've kind of formed like this cool community of like even just within newer podcasters as well, of the last year. It's it's fun. I, I want to give a shout out to to one of our listeners because he 
he's been like super supportive on Twitter, like all the time. He, he engages with us a lot, very complimentary. And um, he made a comment one time saying like, you know, I love the show. I like the old podcast as well. And I thought he meant the Mike Paul cast, the, the show this was. And he goes, no, the the car one you used to have four years ago. He he listened to that one and recognized mine and Nick's name on Dave Smith's ad and found us again. That's really and cool. His name's Sean Anderson. I want to give a shout out at Anarcho Motorist. I, I thought that was crazy. I'm like, holy shit. Like, that's a needle in the haystack. <laughs> yeah. Like, the Venn diagram of a car guy listening to Dave Smith and remembering my name from four years ago. Like, it blew my mind. I could not believe that. Yeah, and it's really cool. You mentioned like just being able to get guests. Isn't it shocking how people will just like do your show? Like, yeah. like it's not, it's not like a, not, not that you should be, not. And I'm the, speaking to like the the audience here. Like, not that you should be worried if you have a show or anything, or if you want to get in touch with somebody. Not that you should be intimidated or anything. But you know, you're talking about legends. You're talking about Scott Horton, dude. He's yeah. a le- he is like the the anti war oh, voice of a libertarian movement. Like he is the guy. He's the number one dude in my opinion. So they just to be able to get him, and he's just so he's just so open to doing anybody. He'll do anybody's show, dude. He'll do anyone's show. And I want to yeah. get him on after. I want to I want to read his book first. I, I've already got um. Uh, fool's errand. I've already done that. Done that one. I need to read enough already. Then I'm gonna try to see if. Well, then I'm going to get him one. I know he'll do anybody's show, so I'm 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 fairly confident he he wouldn't have a problem doing mine. But uh, yeah, just to it's just so cool because they know how it is. Like they know what it's like to be the little guy starting out and having these people that they look up to that they would really like to speak to. So a lot of the in the liberty community in general everybody is just great like it's it's the best circle to be a part of because everybody's just so cool with each other because we're all it's one thing to to be ideologically similar with other people but a lot of a lot of us like definitionally we're out, we're already outside of the box thinkers and that just makes for so much more interesting conversations and the perspectives people have uh you know vis-a-vis their interests like y'all y'all did the episode uh nick you and tyler did the episode with ace about the star wars thing and like i heard perspectives there that i'd never heard before about star wars and i think that has something to do or you know the re that that comes from the same place as why people become an anarchist like ace is an anarchist or why people become libertarians like like we're all libertarians here you know what i mean um it's all it all comes from the same place which i actually that is part of the autism you mentioned autism earlier (laughs) that's part of it too like that, that, it all comes from the same place. Like being that outside of the box thinker, not being afraid to have a different opinion and all that, that all gives you the same perspective. Uh, um, that all gives you the same uh, ability to have a different perspective on just regular old things that normies like that we could, we could enjoy it in a different way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, it's funny you're talking about that kind of like that we have like the same framework of being outside the box thinkers and that kind of leads people to be similar. And I I've been talking about this on the podcast basically since we started that, um, being a grappler, uh, doing Brazilian jujitsu, I noticed that a disproportionate number of people are either like, you know, just they're free thinkers in general. I want to say libertarians, but not just libertarians, but open-minded people. And I'm trying to make that connection. And I think it's the same thing that gets people obsessed with, like not just jujitsu, but like skateboarding or playing guitar, like these kind of flow state things where you have to study the art form. I think that's what leads you to ask bigger que- questions and dogmas and everything. And uh, what's funny is me and El Pulpo from Twitter mm-hmm. and uh, Steve Messina are going to do an episode on the the lessons that 
libertarians specifically can learn from martial arts. We're going to call it the martial autism episode. So uh, <laughs> people should keep their eyes open for that one. Um, That's going to be so, great. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We're going to, I mean, have you ever listened to El Popo from not a podcast? Oh, I listen to not a podcast. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. I saw it on Twitter the other day, but I mean, so we're going to have like, uh, I, I like right now I'm reading, um, I just read rules for radicals and I read, uh, Miyamoto Musashi's the book of five rings. I'm about to read the art of war. So I'm trying to like condense all of these strategy books and kind of like find the similarities and then try to bring them together. And, uh, I think just having El Pulpo for comedic relief. Cause that dude just kills me like randomly. Like, I don't think I'm going to say this. I don't think there's a joke there, but he'll have something that just like makes you laugh your ass off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's also really, re- he's also really smart too. Yeah. yeah, for sure. He's, I feel like it's that <laughs> scene from, uh, that scene from big daddy where it's, uh, Rob Schneider going like the El Pulpo, he really smart, but he pretend to be stupid like a cat. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he Tyler brought him on here as like a mystery box guest. Nick and I are not on Twitter. He shows up like we're looking at the screen. It's not even like a live feed of his face. It's it's a, it's a duck smoking a cigarette. Mm-hmm. Still shot. <laughs> so I'm like, I don't know what this guy looks like. I don't know what he's gonna bring to the table. And like, oh. I I just kept laughing so hard. He just kept these one liners. It's like have a, like a professional stand up comedian on your show. It was so funny. Dude, I was saying that the other day, like the, all the not a podcast guys are just, they have no right being so goddamn funny. If y'all, <laughs> yeah. if y'all listen to not a podcast. Yeah. I started dude, to now. Th- so there's Bert, Neil Connor mover, there's yep. Lee Anfield, uh, Pulpo, um, fucking Steppy and other <laughs> folks are on it too. Like frying, uh, th- mm. they, they are all just hilarious. <laughs> people. It, it They're, is, um, they're there's so nothing. <laughs> Oh, go ahead. Their Phil Bishop episode I listened to the oh, other day. God, and when, so when Neil Connery Mover did his impression of Walter Block, <laughs> I, I was driving and like I, I I literally I verbally laughed out loud to myself like involuntarily. It was so fucking hilarious. Dude. Yeah, and, and every it's like every there, there's nothing funnier. It's one thing to be like a stand-up comedian, but I in my opinion, there's nothing funnier than just being funny off the cuff. Yeah. And the way that they're they're bullshitting, like just hanging with the boys, like that's the best in my opinion. Like that, like the Opie and Anthony kind of thing. I don't know if y'all are familiar with Opie and Anthony, the old radio show, but uh, that that's what it was. They would bring in all these comedians, and I love all that more than any stand up out there. Like any stand up who you like, um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Bill Burr. A lot of people yeah. like Louis Louis C.K. and uh, I'm a fan of Jim Norton. I know some of some of the listeners here probably are. Um, Listen to them on Opie and Anthony. It is infinitely funnier. Any any of that hanging out stuff where they're just shooting the shit. Oh, it's it's because there's, there's so much more potential in a free flowing conversation. But that's what not a podcast is. They just talk shit and it's hilarious. That's I, I would say that's sort of the. I feel like we're still finding exactly what our niche is on this podcast because we do a lot of that, those episodes where, especially when it's me, Mike, and Tyler, like we just kind of like talk about current events and then just like try to one up each other with ridiculous comments. And then we bring on, we also like, we had an interview with Dr. Stephen Hicks, you know, who's actually oh. from our, our area. And uh, it's like this very serious, like, you know, discussion on postmodernism and that kind of thing where it's like, okay, I've got to, I've got to go back to my Catholic school upbringing and be like professional and filtered here. But then, you know, we also have El Popo on and just get degenerate with it. So it's, uh, yeah, I, I like that format a lot. It's a good, it's a fun change up from serious stuff. We got a uh, comment from Top Lobster. He says, where's Ron? I'm assuming our last name is Paul. Oh, oh. Uncle Ron? <laughs> yeah. Nick used to tell people. Jackson. Did you oh, tell yeah. people in high school when he's run for president that was your great yes. uncle? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. when I was 
2012 was my senior year of high school. So I told everybody and I, I was a neocon at the time, but I just told everybody, I'm like, yeah, Ron Paul, you know, the guy that's like running for president is getting kind of popular. He's my uncle. And people are like, Oh my God. And they thought it was so cool. And then it wasn't until like, you know, a couple years later where I, I really uh, got red pilled in that way. I, I liked what he was saying, but I just couldn't get with him on foreign policy back then. But yeah, that's our uncle Ron. And the uncle way Ryan. I, the way that I say, uh, I talk about being like basically a neocon whenever I was a teenager. It's like, what better of a political ideology is there for a stupid, like pubescent teenage boy, you know, yeah. like for yeah. a dumb, you know, for a dumb testosterone filled fucking high schooler. Like what better is there? Yeah. Bomb all the bad guys. What state are you in, Nick? I'm in Georgia. I'm from Louisiana. Oh, so you probably grew up. You probably remember all the Toby Keith, like war propaganda songs, don't you? I, I don't remember all of them, but I remember the put a boot in your ass. Yeah. yeah. One. That's, that's the American big one. American girls. Yeah. American gosh. Yeah. We, uh, Mike is actually, he's a, a fellow guitarist. I'm just assuming you're a guitarist by the guitars, but, um, <laughs> <laughs> but Mike is actually, uh, he wrote a, he's do, we're starting to do some more parodies. Like we did, uh, you know, I have some decent impressions. Mike does some, some music. So we're starting to do like some more sketch comedy for the YouTube channel. And, uh, we we're going to do some Toby Keith spinoffs, but I mean, dude, growing up, I mean, those songs, they, they got people going, they put a chill up their spine and they got people ready to bomb Saddam, you know, propaganda. for 11. Oh, yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah. Which yeah. one of y'all does the, uh, the Jordan Peterson impression? Is that Tyler? Nick. Nick. That's you. Hey, well, yeah, no. So, the thing about doing a Jordan Peterson impression is that Kermit well, it takes frog. a lot of time. It, and he sounds like Kermit the Frog. And people say, oh, well, Nick's impression sounds like Kermit the Frog. And I say it's bloody hard to do something exactly right. Dude, that's really so. good. That really is amazing. <laughs> and who did – Who did? Um, who? because I, I watched the one about Fauci versus Peterson. Nope. Who did Those it? were all Nick. Jesus Christ, man. You're really yeah. good at that. Well, you <laughs> see, the thing about doing a Rand Paul impersonation is that you have to get his pacing down correctly. That's and he talks amazing. in kind of a slow Southern drawl and really tries to get you to think by asking obvious questions. It's We shouldn't be in all these countries. It's unsustainable. We can't afford it. That's really good, dude. I've, <laughs> I've, some ones. I've been, we're, we're going to do one. The next one is going to be. Russell Brand interviewing Matthew McConaughey. So that's, oh, that's going to be the I next one. I feel like one. you do a bomb McConaughey, huh? I mean, man, it's hard to change gears this quickly. I know. But, I know what you mean. You know, the thing about doing the Matthew McConaughey impersonation is that you just got to get into the groove and be cool, man. You know, I'm here in Texas, Austin, Texas. We're the most welcoming place in the world, the most loving place in the world. And we love our guns and we love our trucks, but we're not afraid to have you too. If you just don't vote for the same dirty politicians, we're trying to keep Texas, Texas. That's, I mean, I'm, I'm going off the cuff there, but you know, I can tell then, you, sorry, go ahead. No, I can, I, I, you know, the, the, the mark of like a really good impressionist is like, you have that subtle thing where you're doing, when you do the Southern accent, you do the little, shh, like it's like, a, instead of making a hard S sound, whenever you say S's, you do that little shh. You do it perfect. Yeah, like, that's yeah, yeah. A, like the little details are really important. And the other one I think that's going to be a little bit harder to do is Russell Brand because he's very much a very flowery speaker and he gets you to think a little bit differently in the way he asks his questions. I'm not trying to have a debate with Ben Shapiro. I'm just <laughs> trying to have a conversation and talk about how I love all of humanity and how we need to find policies to go 
to to make the standard of living better for all people and not just corporations. That's got some work to go. I'm not going to lie, but I don't really know how Russell Brand sounds, so I can't say just like that. <laughs> like, like you said to Pete Quinones, he sounds like a real life Ali G. Yeah, yeah. He's got that same I the way I've heard it described, I don't know if that's Manchester or Liverpool, but it's like they're kind of like the hillbillies of the UK. Like people look at them, it's not like a proper London accent where they sound like they're from money. Like they're basically like these uh these like they're they're the peasants, you know. That's that's like the Ali G, you know. But <laughs> that's that. So uh Nick, we we are kind of just free flowing this podcast, but on the topic we talked about earlier of changing things up and getting a little sideways with it. How do you feel about aliens? All the stuff that's coming out in the news. Do you think it's a distraction or are you a true believer? You ever seen any UFOs or shit? I haven't. I, I don't watch the news, so I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, oh. uh, <laughs> most of so, what I get is from Twitter and I haven't seen a whole lot. I, I have seen that people are saying that see the CIA or someone is investigating UFOs. Am I getting that semi right? Yes. Well, okay. so they're starting to leak all these stories that like, oh, we're allowing these Navy and Air Force fighter pilots to say like, we saw an object move at, you know, 12,000 kilometers an hour across the sky and, and it was moving vertically and then it took off vertically and then it cut right angles all across the sky of uh, the horizon. And they're starting to let all this stuff out. And then we hear like the DOD and the Pentagon talk about how they're going to declassify some UFO stuff. And to me, what drives me crazy is for years, it was always the conspiracy people that were like aliens, man. And then there was never any evidence. And I still don't think there's evidence, but then all of a sudden it was like, Oh, it's cool for that to be mainstream. Now you can believe in aliens and we won't consider you a whack job. Very much like the, the lab leak theory, like Dude. you were a whack job and then it's cool. Now it's cool to believe in aliens. And now I believe in aliens less than I ever have, because it just seems like bullshit. Well, <laughs> it, in general, the answer I would have to if I believe in aliens is yes. I think that there has to be something like if the universe is infinite and expanding, which I don't know how that works because I'm not that smart. Uh, but if it is as big as we think it is, there's got to be something else out there. But I think that a lot of the time there's been some sort of spacecraft that's been sighted. I'm usually fairly skeptical of it. Um, and the whole... From what from what it sounds like you're saying is that they're going to be investigating UFOs. That's probably there's probably some it, it's a, some money thing. Like they're they're just they got some contract with some people that they're going to be get, doling out money. It's just some kickback to some fucking some corporate uh, head that's getting money to investigate that, thing. You know what I mean? Like I, I don't. I, yeah. I'm sure. Do you really think the Pentagon has any interest? in aliens like there's got to be an explanation that you could follow a paper trail you know what i mean i think there's there's okay it's either it's bullshit and they know it's bullshit or it's real and they're they're actually leaking real evidence or it's they know it's bullshit and they're just looking for a distraction and i think that like and then there's the small chance that yes it's real and they're looking for a distraction um but like, I can't remember what exactly it was when this first kicked off. They've been teasing it for two or three years. I think it was when they arrested uh, Ghislaine Maxwell. Then all of a sudden you started hearing about this stuff like, oh, aliens, don't don't worry about the elitist corporatist pedophiles that are running everything and how that could come down in flames. Like if anybody if there's any wide public support for this, like aliens don't you guys like aliens and people are like, yeah, I like aliens. And then, you know, we never hear about <laughs> Maxwell again. <laughs> Yeah. 
I don't know. It well, is no. weird. They do. They do that. They do tend to do that a lot. Like where they, they'll just something will just kind of randomly come into the conversation after something big happens. That seems to be a common thread in American news. You know. Yeah, for sure. Um, you have any supernatural experiences? You ever see a ghost? Anything I like don't. That? And I am incredibly skeptical of all of that shit, to be completely honest with you. You're going to see some haunting shit tonight, I feel like, after saying that. That's a bold We'll claim. see. We'll see. <laughs> I'm not saying. I'm just skeptical of it. Like, I, I'm not. It's not a religion thing. It's, or, it's like, I'm not really a religious person. It's not that, I, it's not that I'm not religious. I don't know. Like, I, I just. I'm like, why? What, what spirit would care about this planet after they've left it? <laughs> <laughs> do you think do I so okay I'm with you I don't have a firm stance one way or the other I've never experienced anything personally myself <clears throat> the theory that I think sounds plausible is yeah I remember Joe Rogan had this point like years ago he's talking about like an ant doesn't have all of the senses necessary to understand what you are like if you wave your hand over it yeah. kind of know something might be there and I think maybe the same thing with ghosts where they're operating on a different dimension and if we just had the senses to see it, then we could understand why it's always there. Like when people talk about like smoking DMT, I was gonna and say seeing DMT goblins, <laughs> yeah, yep. and seeing goblins, my my cousins, the goblins in the next dimension. Um, I, I think that like maybe maybe there's like an imprint that people that beings like leave in this world, and that somehow those those imprints and patterns have a way of like replaying and connecting with us. I'm completely spitballing and I'm slap happy right now. So somebody just take the ball and run. It it could be, or it could be that when you do drugs, you see shit because it fucks with your brain. Like, you, you know what I, mean? like, I, don't, I don't know. I, I don't know one way or the other about the clockwork elves. It is weird that whenever people all have a very, very similar experience. Yes. Whenever that's what they, gets me. but at the same, by, by the same token, if I cut my fucking hand off and you cut your hand off, we would probably feel the same or a similar pain, right? Like, you know what I mean? It's just a sensory thing, sure. right? So like if, if something gets activated in your brain, like, I don't know, I, I've only ever heard, this is complete bro science as far as I'm concerned, because I've only heard Joe Rogan talk about it, but they say that the DMT is created by the pineal gland, which is your third eye, right? That's like the third eye. Well, if the, if, if, Let's, for example, if guys have too much testosterone, they all, it's a very similar thing. If guys have, don't have, don't have enough testosterone, they all have very similar symptoms to that. Right. So if your pineal gland produces a thing, or if you do DMT, which is what the pineal gland supposedly does, it's like hypothesized that that has something to do with why we dream or what causes dreams and like near death experiences and shit, because it releases a bunch of DMT. Right. Well, if it's a hormone that your body creates and everybody has it, why would it, it would make absolute sense for everybody to have a very similar thing to having that hormone spike. Similarly to have, if you, if you spike an insulin or if you don't have enough insulin, you'll pass out right from blood sugar or whatever. I'm, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. <laughs> uh, if you have too much testosterone, you're aggressive. You know, if you're doing steroids, if you don't have enough testosterone, you're, you're, you'll have like osteoporosis. You know what I mean? You guys get what I'm getting at. If there's yes, a hormone, yes. It, 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 that's in your body, that's part of your body, it would make sense that we have a similar reaction whenever that hormone goes up. I don't even know mm. if it would be considered a hormone, but you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah, whatever whatever chemical that is. Mike, you got your two cents on this? 
No, I'm kind of with Nick. I mean, I've, I've obviously never done any psychedelics, so I'm not an expert. Which Nick are you with, Mike? Uh, oh, yeah, sorry. <laughs> Our guest, Nick. Uh, what he said, you know, it made a lot of sense. But um, yeah, I've, I've never dabbled in psychedelics, so I, I don't, I don't know. I can't speak from experience. I'm Joe Rogan's the closest thing I've ever had to a psychedelic trip, and, um, <laughs> it's, uh, and yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting, uh, but I, I don't know. I don't, I don't put that much thought into it. I'm with it, man. I just, it's fun to me. I'm also not a psychedelics guy. I mean, it's just, it's a little scary to me. I'm not a, a psychonaut. I have a friend who went to uh, uh, Peru and did an ayahuasca retreat and mm. that sounded intensely interesting, but like, dude, I would rather um, do those, like what those Russian guys do and free climb a, a skyscraper and get up on some scaffolding on a, on like a skyscraper. I'd mm. rather do that than do ayahuasca. Ooh. It sounds terrifying to me or like peyote or whatever the fuck. I hate those videos, by the way. Of the, I know. Of the people oh. climbing. Yeah. As far as the, sweat thinking about it, the people that tell the stories about their ayahuasca trips, I'm like, why would you want to do that? That just sounds horrifying. But they all come out on the other end, and they're like, yeah, I'm in touch with my spiritual side or whatever. Like, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I don't, I'm not interested. I'll stick to, I'll stick to this cheap beer that gets me insulted a lot. <laughs> yeah. at, least you, at least you know the outcome. Like, hey, three beers, I feel this way every time. You know, it's predictable. That's exactly, that's exactly right. I'm not going to be facing my, you know, my great-grandmother's ghost telling me that I'm doing something wrong or whatever the hell things happen whenever you take ayahuasca. No, I'm not dealing with that. I'm good. <laughs> Dude, yeah, so I'll just tell my friend's story, like, really quickly. And he's actually agreed to be a uh, – guest on the podcast. He was also like an Afghanistan war vet, very interesting guy, but he, he said that he was down in Peru and you do like three days of this thing. And he said on the first day, it was like the darkest trip ever. Like he was, it was just blackness and emptiness and like dark matter around him. And there were like these voices saying like, you know, you came here to die and all this stuff, like these really dark things. And he said like, so, so he like made it through the first day. I'm having like a long story condensed, super short, but then second day, like it starts going that way again. And he's just terrified and afraid. And then he said, he, he just had this snapping moment where he stands up and he's like, I'm not afraid. Fuck <laughs> you. I'm not afraid. And then they, I guess this happens. So they like the shamans, there, like, they strap you to a board and they like pour cold water on you. <laughs> So then like, you know, eventually he comes to, and then like, they all stay in these dorms. And then he said the next morning he came down when everybody was having breakfast. It's like 20 other people that are in your group. And he said, he felt like he, he told the shaman, he's like, I need to apologize to everybody. And he goes, no, you don't, but you do what you feel is right. So then he like got everybody's attention. He's like, guys, I'm really sorry about the way I acted out yesterday. Like I, I feel ashamed. I know I need to go home. And he said one by one, it was like a scene in a movie where people came up to him. Like there's this Russian guy and he poked him on the chest. He goes, you, he's like, you're strong. You're very strong. And then this other guy goes, dude, I was in a bad place yesterday. And when you said that I needed that, it inspired me. And they said like one by one, people got in a line and thanked him for stripping naked and shouting, I'm not afraid, <laughs> fuck you. And they said that they all needed that inspiration. So, yeah, yeah, I don't have any aspirations uh, no, to no, do no that. No thanks. Yeah, I'm not. <laughs> in, in their trip, he, like, became a Teletubby or some shit. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. some off-the-wall thing happened where they were like, yes, I lifted my spirits. <laughs> That's brutal. Oh, God. Hey, so you know, 
Sorry, go ahead. Oh, go, 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 go ahead. I'm going to shift gears. And if you're on this one, I don't want to change it. No, the, the only other like supernatural thing I think is interesting that actually Michael Malice talked about recently. I forgot. Maybe it was on his show or I forgot where, but Skinwalker Ranch in New Mexico. Have you ever heard of about that? It's like this giant private land where apparently like people go and there's actually there's weird shit. There's like shape shifting animals that people claim. And then there's like floating orbs of light. And there's like some Native American, it's like some Native American burial ground or something. And there's some Native American guy that will like, they call him the passenger and he like hitchhikes rides around Skinwalker Ranch, like around the the town, the area. (laughs) And then people like, you know, people like black out and all of a sudden this guy's in their car and then like they talk to him and then they black out again and they're like in a parking lot and they have no memory of the last 12 hours. There's weird shit like that. And wait a minute, you're talking about Bill Cosby? <laughs> he's out he's a free man Topical. I, didn't, I, didn't even, I don't even mean it that way I just, you I just, do watch the news nick <laughs> that's twitter yeah well um, twitter is the news i feel like well speaking sorry, of twitter I ruined your your uh, rant there but i thought that was <laughs> no no that was pretty much it that was pretty much it i'll say speaking of twitter news uh nick have you been paying much attention to this whole uh inside baseball libertarian drama with dave smith and vin armani and all that yeah. fun stuff what are your uh, thoughts on it I'm just wondering why a guy who like is named Cypress Tree now and this other I call them a manlet with the God complex. Why are they in the discussion right now? Like <laughs> I'm so, half kidding. <laughs> half, half kidding. The thing right. like in on a serious note, the way like the stuff that Vin Cyprian, excuse me, said Vin and um Matt said about Dave. Or I think it wasn't Matt that said it about Dave. I didn't watch the Liberty Lockdown episode. I'm going to have to check it out. I did watch Dave's rebuttal to that on Pete mm-hmm. Quinonez's show. Um, so I'm going to have to watch what Matt and, and Cyprian said about Dave. Uh, but from what I see, the first exposure I had to Matt Erickson was on Pete Quinonez's show like a few episodes ago. Okay. And I don't mean to take shots here, but... Erickson seems like a really good bullshitter. Like he knows how to talk to make himself sound like he knows a lot and he knows what he's talking about. But if you really scratch through the surface, there's not a whole lot there. And the mark, like for me, the thing that sets off the alarm in my head, the mark for that is every single thing. Like if if you have a person who every single thing will relate back to one philosophy and it'll be connected to it somehow, that's a bullshitter. Every time I've seen that, that's a bullshitter. And he does that with like Orthodox Christianity or whatever. He does that with Christianity. Every single thing he talks about, he's like, oh, and this is how it relates to Christianity. This is not a criticism of Christianity. I don't want people to take it that way. This is a criticism of, I don't know how to word it. It's like every, it's, it's not every single thing about libertarianism or not every single thing about whatever we're talking about goes back to Christianity. Like, cause, because people aren't consciously like, doing that people aren't coming people that are doing this are not all christians and i know that it's deeper than that it's not it's because the way christianity shaped western culture and i understand that but i sincerely do not think that you can relate everything the way he does to one branch of like some sort of philosophy and be and be correct like there's something there that's wrong that's a big red flag to me sure uh and i don't know about vin armani but he he just seems like a he just a weird dude 
Like for him to be so critical of everybody who's doing everything wrong in his opinion, but he like left and went to another island. It's like, okay, shut up and go be irrelevant over there. Like who cares? Yeah. So we've had, so Matt was my first episode on this podcast ever. Um, so I, you know, I can say just anecdotally, Matt's just a really good dude. I mean, he's really nice. I, oh, I'm I, sure he is. I don't mean I to, like him. I said. Sure. I no, no, to, no. Yeah, yeah, I know. But um, so it was kind of weird for me to watch this because Matt just went from being Jason's co-host and then mm-hmm. all of a sudden he's like having Twitter feuds with Dave Smith. Like, yeah. Shit. Like <laughs> it's kind of a big step. Um, but, you know, I, I respect him. He's always been a great dude. Vin's been on our show, too. I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, I, I think his attacks on Dave's character were like, really kind of uh, uncalled for and childish. I yeah. think Dave yeah. responds. Dave, Dave had a lot more ground to take the take the gloves off and say some shit that he was pretty professional about but i thought that was pretty cheap to like for 10 minutes just going to rant yeah, yeah, yeah. Man and then a all predator that. yeah and, and like, a narcissist and then like not as famous as me and like i'm a, yeah, I was like, like, I was an apex predator it's like dude like pulling <laughs> rank pulling yeah. rank with fame and you're gonna call someone else yeah. a narcissist like that's like that's yeah. really weird that this that turned me off quite a bit listening to that yeah, part but so, I mean, like I was interested in these conversations, um, from the beginning and I I'll, I'll break it on this podcast here. I think I might've been the first guy. Cause what started all of this was Matt going on Pete's show. And I remember, um, seeing some of the stuff that Matt was posting and some of the stuff that Pete was posting like last year, like last November and December. And they were both having like a lot of the similar, um, criticisms of like political activism because, I mean, I, I love the LPMC. I wish them nothing but the best. I hope they're successful. And I, I really like, I'm rooting for them hundred percent. I'm on their team. Um, but I, I do have some doubts just about political activism as a whole. And it's not a knock against them. It's a knock against like the endeavor itself. And so I, I had this kind of like gut feeling, but hadn't really heard it expressed. So I actually, I messaged Pete and I'm like, Hey, you should look into talking to Matt Erickson. Like he's also somebody who's uh, read a lot of like Yarvin and these kind of out, like unorthodox thinkers. And I see you guys pulling on a lot of the same strings. And he's like, he's like, who is he? I'm like, Stapleton's co-host, blah, blah, blah. He's like, cool. I'll check him out. And then, you know, all oh, of a sudden, so and then Nick, he goes, he's like, Nick started all this. So I, thanks then, a lot. <laughs> yeah, Pete you ruined our Twitter Pete said, Pete said, he's like, at the beginning of their podcast, he's like, oh, I've never had so many people message me and say you, like somebody needed to come on. So I was probably one of many, but I might've been the first. And then I also had a couple of memes. Mike had one that really got big, but I had a couple of memes that were shared around. So Dave mentioned um, yours on Pete's show. Yeah, <laughs> Dave mentioned mine, which is an objective meme. I So with the whole post-libertarian thing, it's like, to me, I'm just kind of like exploring and pursuing like this gut feeling about like the futility of political activism. And I'm trying to like, and again, with the Liberty lockdown thing, I'm not a fan of uh, personal attacks at all. It's like people need to be able, like we all have the same, end goals in mind. We all want liberty and freedom for people. And we want this country to be a more stable, safe, prosperous place. And we have real enemies that hate us. So the less infighting we do, I know it's kind of like baked into the libertarian cake, but the the less fighting we do, the better. And I just, I don't think that personal attacks uh, are necessary at all. So when, when I'm listening to them, it's like to Vin and, or sorry, Cyprian and Matt and Pete and these guys, I think there's a, a an actual argument beneath all of the kind of theatrical um, attacks and, and all this stuff. And the actual argument to me is like, okay, we're trying to take over a political system. And what are the odds that we're actually going to get enough people 
behind us to do that. And if we do get enough people, then we're going to have the entire eye of Sauron of the cathedral and the establishment on us. And we, we see what they do with character assassinations with like the Boogaloo boys and uh, the proud boys and all this stuff. And in general, you don't want to pick fights you can't win. So I, I, and then I've also been listening to like Tho Bishop and I think he makes a compelling argument about injecting our ideas with the right because they are our natural allies. Like I, I talked about this on the podcast before, but last spring and summer when me and my friends were training uh, during the early days of COVID and we were putting up blankets in the windows so we didn't have the cops called on us and have the gym shut down and have licenses revoked. It wasn't Trump supporters that we were worried about calling the cops and sending the Gestapo after us. It was, you know, so to me, those are our natural allies. So I like the idea of, of allying with them and injecting our ideas into their existing populist movement. But the whole thing, it's kind of turned into a shit show with personal attacks and ad hominems and everything. So anyway, that's my long winded uh, explanation, but yeah. I do got to say when, uh, <laughs> when Dave was talking about the, you know, Vin talking about how he's more famous, and Dave's like, "Yeah, I guess you're more famous as a, as a hooker." <laughs> like, <laughs> I I, was, I spit my coffee out almost when I was driving. Like, that was another one. I, yeah. I rarely laugh at myself in my car, but there's certain things in podcasts. It's usually like Dave Smith or like Theo Vaughn or something will say something just yeah. so unexpected that you, you it's an involuntary response. But Robbie the Fire does that to me routinely. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> dude. Yeah, it is. It is kind of weird how much I don't understand why it's got to be the autism that why there's so much infighting like that. It, 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 and, and the problem I have with a lot of people. And again, I think this is something we are all the victim of is if you're this is one of my criticisms of uh, people who never want to accept that some politicians are better than others. Like they'll I understand Ron DeSantis is not good on everything. Like we get it. I understand. Please like, believe me, I like the criticism of Tho Bishop trying to work with the, the Republican party. We all know good and well that the Republicans suck. We get it. Like we get it. But if you, if all you do is just, and actually Dave talked about this on the, uh, on with Pete Kenyonis today, he didn't articulate it in the way that I have, but it's like, if you're, if you're going to be that way where every politician is like equally bad, all you're doing is just making it. So you're always right. And that's more of an ego thing to me. That's more of, that's more, that's narcissism. Well, I don't know if that's narcissism, but that's definitely egotistical, right? Very counterproductive. Yeah. If, if you're always right, like at a, at a certain point, who cares? Because all you're doing, you're just sitting here. There's a certain, couple of people in particular in particular on twitter that i'm thinking of that every time the conversation comes up about you know ron DeSantis versus like cuomo they're like oh well DeSantis is a tyrant and the zionist is like okay yeah we get it you're right but what have you would you rather live in florida or, or california or, or, the, or new the york purism the purism yeah. is killing yes. us it's if yeah. you're if you're the purist you're always right and that's why i think people tend to become purists because they just always want to be right now those are the people who I have a bigger I have a bigger problem with them than I do with somebody like even if they like I've seen people call Dave Smith like a clout chaser like he's only in it for the popularity or they call people grifters I have a bigger problem with purity people who are just always who always want to be right than I have with even if Dave is a grifter like even if that's what he ultimately is which I don't think he is I think he's genuinely you know passionate oh, about yeah. this but like I I have I have way more respect for grifters and clout chasers than I do purists who just want to be right because you know what i mean yeah and that was kind of the, the other thing about vin is I, I felt like he was trying to out alpha dave 
like because right. Dave's like the biggest figure in this movement, and like it was kind of I, I don't know. It's like you said, he's in the side pan. It's like what well, what's what's the motive to come here and tell you like you guys are all idiots? Don't even try this route, you know? I think I don't know. Like like I said, I I enjoyed having been on the show. We had a great conversation, but it was some of the behavior on this stuff has been kind of like the cringe. one of the funniest parts about that uh, the Clint thing. I did the Liberty Lockdown episode. Uh, I did see a clip where. Vin said something about predator, like they being a predator, and Clint was like, "Okay, I don't think we need. To, I don't remember the exact, but you know, paraphrasing." Yeah. And Clint was like, "I don't think we need to be calling him a predator." And he was like, "Well, we're all predators. We eat meat. Like, did you eat meat today, Dave?" <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> and the, but the reference to being a predator was preying on other people, right? Right. So yeah, like, yeah. You can't just you can't say you're a predator. I eat you prey on other people, and then whenever you say no, I'm not a predator, or somebody says no, that person's not a predator, which would be Clint in this situation. You tell him, "Do you eat meat?" Oh, then you are a predator. It's like okay, you you. Like, yeah, and talking. and I give. I know what you're saying. I, I and I give uh, props to Clint for it's two on one. Where even if yeah. you if you had your bearings like one on one, when you're getting attacked from two different angles. Um, you don't really have a chance to rebut everything that's said. Mm-hmm. And it's also, they're his guests and he's trying to get the arguments out of him. So I feel like a lot of people might've listened to that and come away with the idea that like, Oh, Vin and Matt just like put Clinton in his place. And I, I, that's not the vibe I got from it at all. No, it's like, I, I, again, and, and Dave made this point on Pete's show uh, today, recapping it or rebutting it. But he's like, you try to strip away all of the attacks and all of the stories and get down to the arguments. And that's that's all I care about. Like, I just that's all I want to hear about. And uh, yeah, yeah, I, I agree with everything you're saying there. I think I had my I found myself most aligned with Clint during the whole debate. So it's kind of like I'm not these guys are just like writing Dave off and what he's doing. Like, I think Dave's doing something absolutely incredible and I have no idea how it's going to end. But um, they're kind of just like that whole idea of saying like it's it's going to end badly before, you know, it's, you know. <sighs> It's kind of a like like Dave said today. Like, why why are you trying to tear down what we're doing then? Like, what's what's yeah. your plan? So I thought that was kind of I don't know. I'm hoping this kind of drama dies out. But yeah, and <laughs> I I, I do want to say though, like Clint is just the nicest guy ever. He is yes. just such a sweetheart of a guy. Yep. Uh, so like to be, it's hard to be put in a position like that that he was put in, where you had two guys who were very animus towards somebody else that is also a friend of his. I've been in that. Like everybody's been in that, where you have two friends mm-hmm. that don't get along. Right. Mm-hmm. It's very hard to play that neutral party. But yeah, Clint is just the nicest dude ever. So he was. There's no way. And I'm not saying I'm not saying he's afraid of it. He's he, he'd argue with anybody. But he's he's not the kind of guy that would just be like. Well, no, Vin, you're being an asshole. Well, and you know, he's he's, like, he's too nice of a guy to be a dick like that. You exactly, know? yeah, right. And he's not going to sit there and, and badmouth Dave when Dave's done so much more for his show than anybody else. I mean, you know, he's I'm sure he's had a lot of influence on why he got in Tim Pool and everything, and grew all the listeners had well, on shit, his show. Dave is why Clint started the show, right? Yeah, like, so, that's, he was his like biggest inspiration. So yeah, sure. yeah. And yeah. for the, the credit to credit to Clint for not. Like I, I would have been a lot more. I mean, he probably was pretty aggravated. I don't want to like put you know words in his mouth or thoughts in his head or anything, but I'm sure he was pretty annoyed with the situation. But I, I, I wouldn't have maintained that composure. I know I wouldn't have been able to. Like given given everything Clint has, you know what I mean? I don't think he expected it to get as like uh, animus as it got. Like I think he was like, you know, hey, I'm interested in the arguments you're making about like 
the end game, like the, the chessboard from above. I think that's mm-hmm. what he wanted the conversation to be. And it kind of turned into a very like personal insulty kind of thing. And he was forced to defend somebody who is sort of a friend to him. Yeah. So it was, it, it's a tough situation. I give him props for hosting it. Like, for sure. Cause that's, yeah. you know, like we said, two on one yeah. and it, it, it kind of shifted on him, but um, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I think Dave wants to put it behind him and move on. Yeah. And, it's, it's, and it's like, like, yeah, you could tell Dave, like he's literally like laughing as he's describing what Dave, what uh, Vin and, and Matt were saying about him. Like he's, he's just like chuckling as he's saying it. Like I can tell he doesn't take it seriously. Yeah. And I was going to say it's, it's also a thing where it, Hey, it's not like people need to take sides here per se. It's like, yeah. okay, you you can think that, Matt and and uh, Vin had like a hacky attack or strategy or whatever about the situation, but you shouldn't write off all of their ideas. Like they do put some things forward that you should consider and grapple with. No, I think and we're gonna. Is, go ahead. I think we're, we're. I think Matt's coming back on our show pretty shortly too. Not to discuss this stuff. This is we gotta let this die. But I, you just he's. I, I find him very. He makes me think about things. I, I ways I haven't looked at things, and and it's. I've always enjoyed when I spoke with him, but um. But yeah, I think I think everyone's ready for this whole feud to get put behind and move on. Yeah, and and also I, I like there. Okay, so I also I think that the LPMC and the kind of Phil Bishop crowd, like again, they're allies. Like there's there's no yeah. reason there needs to be a rivalry mm-hmm. here. It's like I hope that Phil's uh, strategy of like taking over your local GOP and injecting your ideas. I hope they're successful, and I hope that the LPMC can have like a massive PR campaign and red pill a bunch of people and get our numbers up. Like I, you know, God bless them for doing that too. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think people should be taking sides and, and just like, you know, discarding uh, opposing ideas. I think that we need to, as people who are on the same team that are taking different strategies, it's useful to kind of like test each other's ideas and battle harden them. And I, I see it as a positive thing. I have been saying that since I've realized that everybody's fighting about the shit. Not not like yeah. this particular thing, but I feel like there's three major camps. There's agorism, libertarian party, and republican party, right? Or like yeah. the, you know what I mean? So there's the there's the I guess the Vin Armani would be the agorist in this situation, and then Dave Smith LP obviously, Tho Bishop Republicans. So we can all do what we're best at to try to move this whole thing forward. It doesn't have to be one strategy. Like you just said, everything you just said is perfect. Like there's no reason for us to fight. It's not that. And I would even say it's not that the LP strategy is opposed to the Republican party strategy. Like though Bishop is going after. It's just that these people are doing what they feel they're best at, which is what Dave is doing. And people that are agorists who I talk a lot of shit about agorists, but ultimately I hope more people participate in, you know, agorist praxis for sure. You know, everybody that pays, I'm happier with less people paying taxes and more people getting into crypto and all that stuff. I'm happy with that. Uh, my problem is with the purists, like we talked about earlier, but you know, it, it, we, we can get people who are going to agorist route. We can get people who are going the LP route. We can get people who are going the Tho Bishop route. And all of that is a net positive in my opinion. Like there's no, there's no like wasting of resources definitionally you know like you're not wasting your resources if you're doing what you feel you're going to be best at doing maybe you're not going to be able to go and play dirty politics with the republicans but you can go in the lp be the big fish in a small pond but at the same time you know like dave smith is doing be good at messaging right like it doesn't have to be uh that they're opposed to each other for sure um yeah i agree with everything you just said as well 
And uh, so we're, we're over an hour in and uh, before we get out of here, before you do your plugs and everything, Nick, um, I wanted to read a couple comments cause we did get a little uh, audience on the live stream here. Hopefully this keeps growing. So uh, we got Jacob Lindsay says I am watching because I am loyal to Childerberg attendees. That's wow. uh, that's actually, that's how we found King. you, Nick, right? For, thank you Tyler. so much. Yeah. Tyler, thank you so much, Jacob. If you're still listening, we've given you major props just for all the, all the Childerberg things, man, that, Oh my God. I can't wait for next year. Such a great event. If you guys can make it, I would highly it recommend it. <laughs> yeah. It's it amazing. sounds like a blast. Thank uh, you very got, much, Jacob. Uh, we got Orthazar says politics is like a sitcom, but it never ends. Mm-hmm. It's a good analogy. It really is. And it gets like more a, absurd every season. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And people can become experts in politics the same way you can watch game. If you can watch game of Thrones and you know, all the characters, then you have no excuse to not understand like in general, how politics works. Like, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> Um, okay, so see it's or Sean Anderson says see it's oh, shit, that's, American that's our guy. It happens naturally. Oh, that's I thought, our guy. Okay, yeah. I thought y'all. Uh, I thought you brought him up because he was in the comments. You just brought oh no him up no no, no I didn't wow, even that's, check. That's really cool. Yeah. So y'all, yeah. y'all are okay. And then uh, Top Lobster says, "Where's Ron?" Top Lobster, who uh, I I'm starting to see him get more popular, which is uh, awesome. Remember Great. when I think he was in the part of the problem inner circle? He's always sharing memes and his artwork and stuff. So if he's a listener to the show, that's awesome. I, I like his content. Yeah, um, need a great. catchy, yeah. Uh, Sean Anderson also says, Mike, need a catchy song about bombing Yemen. <laughs> I'll see what I can um, do. Yeah, I mean, you try to make something really dark, funny, you know, why not? <laughs> yeah, uh, if we do make contact, I'm sure we'll give them foreign aid. I think that was back when we were talking about talking aliens. about aliens. Yep, I remember that um, comment. Yeah, Jose Gomez says, The Skinwalker Ranch documentary is on Hulu, highly recommend it. Um, and Maybe, Jose Gomez, yeah. who's uh, also a fellow part of the problem. Uh, inner child problem child and also fellow 10th planet uh, jujitsu guy. So what's up Jose. And then we got Sean again for sale right now, 27 and a half million for the ranch. Hmm. That'd be interesting. If only hmm. I had that much money. Uh, wait, a former male prostitute and the second banana on scam by my wealth program show. Don't have all the answers. Ooh. Okay. We're taking some shots. Oh, by the way, one of the things that's really funny too, I saw, uh, the, not a podcast guys trolling Jason Stapleton on Twitter the other day. They're oh. like baiting him into some, I can't remember what it was. It started out with, and then everybody kept on saying like, they're tagging him like Jason go on, not a podcast. And he goes for the last time. I don't know what that is. <laughs> it's like, dude, Damn. Just, they do that all the time. time. They do that. It all makes the time. him sound like a boomer. Like, I don't know what that is. Like, just <laughs> play along with the joke better, Jason. Come on, man. <laughs> like, That's pretty funny. Um, yeah, yeah. Uh, Vin Cipriani, uh, Spud Ruckus says, they need to be right, or the need to be right being more important than being free. I think it's to your point, Nick. And yeah. then, and that he shouldn't even have to try with. No, uh, it's, 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 and that he, and that and that he shouldn't even try WT. What the hell? Oh, okay, okay. So I think they're talking. I thought that was when we were talking about Dave about. Or I don't remember. I'm sorry, but yeah, I I, re- I know that name on one of the Tower Gang episodes that I was on. Uh, she said, um, "I really want to make Nick Ashley a sandwich or something." Because I I said some comment about women. I don't remember <laughs> what it was, and it was something stupid. But she was like, I, "I have the urge to make Nick a sandwich or some something like that." It was pretty funny. Oh yeah. Right on. Well, that's uh, that's it for our, our live comments. Um, Nick, you want to plug uh, where people can find you on Twitter and your podcast and everything? No, but before we go, we need to talk about the age of consent. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Oh, I saw no. that one. Uh, hey, real quick, 
Sorry. Well, no, go ahead. Uh, go get your plugs in. I was going to say, if I'm, uh, if you want to find me on Twitter, it's at Nick underscore individual and anything I ever put out, any material podcast, whatever is uh individualistpodcast.com. Hell yeah. Right on. And then and follow us at Paul's to the walls with a Z at the end on Twitter. And like, also I will uh, note that our listeners have been really slacking in the iTunes uh, rating department. It hasn't moved in like seven episodes. And last time I threatened to do a 15 day podcast lockdown if I didn't get 10 reviews and it worked. So I got 10 <laughs> reviews the next morning. <laughs> so yeah, damn. that actually was good. <laughs> I wasn't really going to do it, but um, anyhow, I won't threaten to lock it down this time, but guys, please rate review the show. Tell a friend and help us uh, help us grow. Thanks. All right. We'll see you guys. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.